I can name examples of projects that I've worked on that ultimately had literally millions of dollars worth of impact. And we started with no budget whatsoever. We just figured out how to locate who our customers are and begin to have dialogue with them and begin to observe them experiencing what we give them as they experience it. You're listening to Real Marketing Real Fast, the only podcast that brings you unfiltered, undaunted, insider information on the latest tools and technologies for online marketers. Prepare to dive deep into marketing myths, breakthrough models, and cutting-edge strategies that will have an immediate impact on the growth of your business. And now, here's your host, marketing expert, Doug Morneau. Well, welcome back, listeners, to another episode of Real Marketing Real Fast. Today's guest is Bob Berry. He is a principal at a company called Answer Lab, where he's guiding companies like Google, Apple, Amazon, Facebook, and many others to create new optimal online experiences. Uh, he's also the founder of a company called the Human Computer Mastermind Academy. I had such a great conversation with Bob. You're going to want to listen because he's going to help you understand and answer the question why. Why do people engage with your brand? Why do people engage with your social media? Why don't they? Why do they buy? Why don't they buy? What experience are they having when they're interacting with you? So Bob's experience is helping businesses confront the, you know, the, the world-changing pandemic shock that's happening, that's rocking the world. But he teaches you how the, to relearn what your customers experiencing, what your customers want, and what your customers expect. And how do we as business owners create this optimal online experience as fast as we can to make sure that it, we're able to compete and win in our business. So I'd like to welcome Bob to the Real Marketing Real Fast podcast today. Hey, Bob, super excited to have you on the show today. So welcome to the Real Marketing Real Fast podcast. Thanks, Doug. Glad to be here. Looking forward to having a chat with you. Well, you might be, and, and this isn't a uh, comment on my other guests, but you might be the smartest academic person that I've had on my show. Um, I was looking through all the details and, and what you do, but what I really admire is that uh, you apply it to helping your clients move the dial, increase their business efficiency and uh, make it more profitable. So do you want to share with our listeners just a little bit about what it is that you do and how you make that happen? Yeah, I appreciate that. Yes, my ex my expertise is user experience, and we define that pretty broadly. Uh, so we look at the full context of what prospects, customers, users are doing in their lives, whether they're uh, B2B or from a personal perspective or B2C from a business perspective. We really want to understand who these people are as purchasers, as potential clients, as collaborators, whatever role we see them in, we really want to understand what their lives are and really understand how they make decisions. What is it that motivates them? What are their needs, their interests, their passions? How are they going to engage you as a business? How are they going to respond to whatever marketing programs you have? At the moment, in my professional world, that takes two forms. I'm a principal researcher for AnswerLab, which is the premier user experience research company in the U.S., we work with a lot of major clients. Right now, I'm doing simultaneous projects for Google, Amazon, FedEx, and Facebook. And we work with a, <laughs> we work with a number of other major. So no big, well-known brands, eh? Some, some, yeah, no, yeah, no, just no those, big ones. Just, just those guys. Those. <laughs> um, and then on the other end of the spectrum, I have my own 
uh, online consultancy and digital academy, which is called itstheusers.com. Because there are a lot of people that want to learn about this art, this science, and can't afford what those big brands can pay to do the research that they do. And so we introduce people to this whole world and really help them understand their users, their customer population, and find out how those people are going to make the best decisions that are going to move their business forward. So it's really, and everything in between. So from smallest startups, individual professionals, all the way up to the biggest brands really understand what role the experience plays in business success. Well, I think that's something, um, at least from my personal experience and for myself and for my clients is often over overlooked. One of the things I did like about Answer Lab was that they're very close to a place I'd like to stay when I'm in San Francisco, which is fourth and market down at the Palomar, which is a Kimpton property. Not sure if it's still there. Mm-hmm. But I thought, hey, they're in the neighborhood I'd like to hang out in. So in terms of what you do, in terms of helping people to understand this, can you explain why? you know, why the service that you offer exists, because I'll I'll tell you why. So give you a bit of backstory. So often you get people come to me and say, Hey, I have a problem. I don't have enough sales. I don't have enough this. So I don't have enough of that. And what they're looking to do is they're looking to find a tactic they can just pour money into to solve the problem. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm sure you're going to push back and say, Hey, pause for a minute before you do that. So I'll turn it to you over to you. So my experience, I've been doing this for going on three decades. I worked for HP in the early days of the internet and the web when we were designing the very first social media, online learning, cloud-based services, e-commerce. We didn't even have those terms back then. So I've <laughs> been doing this for a long time. Yeah. And I can tell you from experience that the vast majority of what happens in business and beyond, but obviously the topic here is about business. The vast majority of what happens are based on individuals making individual choices within the experiences that we provide them. So I challenge you to think of any business outcome, whatever your goals or your KPIs might be. I challenge you to name one that's not tied to some person making a choice, whether that's making a purchase, downloading something, signing up for something, attending something. It's human behavior that drives the outcomes that we see in business. And all of those decisions, all of those choices occur within the experiences that we provide those prospects, those customers, and those users. So it's, it's ubiquitous. And, and, and if you extend that, it really drives the global economy. So there's so much that happens within that experience that unless we pay attention to it, there's so much we're not gonna learn and know about who our users are and how they make those choices. Well, the reason I was really excited to have this conversation with you is because I do a lot of work in the email space and there's been a significant change and a shift just like there has in social. So for listeners that are thinking, well, why do I really need to know that? Well, you're being penalized or rewarded based on how people make decisions about the email you're sending them. They like them. They don't like them. They open them. They don't open them. They click. They don't click. They unsubscribe or they report it as spam. Those are all individual decisions. And if you stop paying attention to those, you'll get penalized and you won't get delivery. Just like if you're posting on social media and you're not getting engagement, the platforms aren't going to give you an audience. Yes, correct. So where's typically the low hanging fruit? So if you're working with a small to medium sized business, or maybe even a startup looking to get going, you know, kind of where's ground zero? Where do you start? Well, the challenge today with ground zero is that we're in a very unique time in history, really. We're at a time when um, there's so much happening in the world that we've never 
experienced before with the yeah. coronavirus, the economic collapse, and certainly all of the unrest that's occurred in our cities over the last couple of weeks. So we, we actually have to start with some very important considerations that are not specifically tied to business or experience. And that is, we have to figure out how we're going to protect ourselves, our people, our clients, our customers. So most of this kind of research is done um, with some element of face-to-face -face contact, or traditionally it's been that way, really getting with our customers, our prospects, our clients one-on-one -on -one and really learning who they are. We can't do that now. So first of all, we have to figure out how we're going to do that remotely. And we've actually done a lot of that. We've gone entirely remotely. All the brands that I've mentioned and many more have all gone remote and gone virtual. And we're doing all the work that we do with them now from our kitchens and our living rooms and our home offices. So that's, <laughs> yeah, that's right. So that's some, some people in their backyards with the glass of wine, I've noticed when I've been on some Zoom yes. calls. <laughs> yes, it's been fascinating seeing all the backgrounds in Zoom as we go through this and seeing where people are, are doing this from. Second of all, we have to be sensitive to the personal and economic impact that, that our customers and clients are going through because they're going through types and, and degrees of change that they've never encountered before. So yep. we have to start with really understanding that. Again, that's actually part of their experience as well. What are they struggling with? What are, how are they adapting? What are they having to go? Well, and, how do they, and how do they respond to that? I mean, I know a, a little bit in terms of personality styles that we all respond to stress differently. So that's obviously going to dictate how I may respond to your offer, to your marketing, to your website, to a conversation with you. Yes. And, and so, so those human personal considerations are first and foremost. Once we've done the right thing for those and paying attention to respect and safety and all those things that are now critical, we have to understand, first of all, who our customers are and how we're going to have that degree of communication with them. You, know, you can imagine that for a lot of these big, big brands that we work with, we have very expensive facilities and research methods and tools and platforms and systems and and, and they all work great. But if you're just getting started in this, you don't have to spend anything. I can name examples of projects that I've worked on that ultimately had literally millions of dollars worth of impact. And we started with no budget whatsoever. We just figured out how to locate who our customers are and begin to have dialogue with them and begin to observe them experiencing what we give them as they experience it. You have to create some kind of environment where if they're looking at an email, if they're reading your social media, if they're on your website, if they're playing with your app, you have to find some way, and it's actually quite simple to do this, you have to find some way to be with them and observe them experiencing all of those things or any one of those things as they experience it. So you get to be inside their heads, inside their hearts, understand their motivations, understand where they're succeeding, where they're failing. There's information and insight that you're going to discover there that's business critical that you cannot learn any other way. Well, you're going to see friction points too. I, I remember I was at a conference. I think it was uh, Marketing Sherpa had a conference in San Francisco and we were going through some usability stuff and heat maps and eye tracking and all the other that was kind of new then um, and how people engage and how people get stuck when they were monitoring people's computer screens that had come in for a survey and saying they've asked them to complete a simple task, like go find this on the website and they couldn't find it. Yes. So, you know, the guy who built the site, the guy who wrote the copy knows where it is, but your users showing up for the first time hunting for it and can't track it down. Yes. And, and there's, and there's so many other things. So, so that basic phenomena of simply not being able to complete the task, is one of the major things that we encounter. 
And again, and we test a lot of different types of marketing programs. So a lot of the things we've been talking about here, we test these things and evaluate these things regularly for companies of all sizes. Um, another thing that we're discovering more and more is simple functional problems. So way back when, when I first started doing this, you could test everything on Internet Explorer on a Windows PC <laughs> on the desktop and you covered 95 yeah. percent of the user population. That's, that's right. Yeah. OK, you, you probably remember those days. Yeah, well, I do. I remember the DOS way. prompt and the Amber monitor. Yes. Yeah. I mean, but, yeah. but those days are long gone. OK, sure. there are so many mobile devices, so many different apps, operating systems, so many different ways that people can interact with your interactive stuff that you have to you have to test it in the wild that's actually one of the benefits of the world we live in now having to go remote means that we get to observe people in their living rooms in their home offices in their whatever where they naturally live and work and make decisions and do what they do and they're using stuff that they maybe even haven't used before so we get to test all of this on new devices new platforms and we uncover functional problems that we didn't know were there because we can't replicate the hundreds of different combinations of techno technology elements that people are working with out in the world today. And again, if you don't test those, if you don't actually put those in front of people and try a lot of different combinations, you'll never find them. And people are hidden to you, invisible to you. People are struggling with those. Those things may be breaking in addition to their, their inability to complete some of those tasks you mentioned. So how much um, of what you're sharing do the business um, you know, leaders and, and, and mark, the marketing departments understand the concept and the importance of doing this? Like, is this uh, a widely known, is, this, is it you and you know, 100 people like, that understand that this is important or is it you and most of the marketing world understands this? Well, it, that's sort of an it depends. So uh, our experience has been that the, the, the big companies, the big brands, especially the technology companies, you know, the Facebooks, the Googles, the Amazons, you know, they, their bread and butter is online interactive in so many different ways. So they've been doing this for, from the beginning, you, know, you look at Amazon and it's all of the, the vast amount of business that they do through their website and through their apps, you know, they have armies of people that do this and sure. it's deeply embedded in their culture. And it, you know, if you look at somebody like Jeff Bezos, it's deeply embedded in his whole value system. So that's one extreme. That's probably that's probably one rail. Yeah. On the other end, people at, in smaller companies, even medium-sized companies, don't in many cases don't understand the value of this. Or again, they may define it pretty narrowly. They may think of this as traditional usability, when in fact, again, it goes much beyond that. Again, it's about those narratives, about those individual people's lives, what you know, context they're living and struggling and working in. How do they make decisions? How are they motivated? And you know what tools, platforms? That's just the larger picture of their whole their whole life story that you have to consider. So on the high end, it's very well known. It's part of the culture. Millions are invested. It's an ongoing process. At the other end of the spectrum, some you know some smaller companies and organizations are not doing it at all, and everything in between. Okay. Well, fair enough. Fair comment. I mean, there's, I've seen that with lots of technologies that are out there um, that people just aren't, aren't aware of the, like you said, the smaller companies aren't aware of. So 
just so you know, I'm still trying to get my head around, you know, the like you said, not the user journey, but understanding the decision where people are at. And so, you know, I'll default to something that's simple enough for me to understand. So feel free to poke holes in it or or, or got point us in the right direction. So I would go to something simple uh, in your example, like um, Google Analytics. And I could look at what browsers people are using and what the bounce rates are and the page successions and the form completions. And I could look at what device they're using. Um, so that's at the very simplest form. I'm seeing the, I guess, the last mile between the um, user and my business. So are you talking about doing something before that, during that uh, evaluation, after? Like, how are you looking at uh, these users in a deeper level? I mean, I, I can't get my head around that space. So what you're what you just described with analytics and 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 with online and the web and the internet and all of the um, digital virtual tools platforms products we have now we can gather vast amounts of data and we should yeah. that's all yeah. very important that data tends to be quantitative yeah and, and that's critical so that data is going to tell you in most cases what happened, and maybe to some extent how it happened, but what it won't tell you is why it happened. Right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So that's the and that's why you can't you you know it's it's important to do both because you know for example we may do some very in depth user experience research sessions with a small population of people and spend ninety minutes with each of them and learn a great deal about the why things happen or don't happen. Well, then we need to. You know, we do that with 10 people, then you need to figure out how relevant are those findings with your whole user population. Right. Then you've yep. got to go to something like surveys or analytics or something that's going to give you a broader view. You could flip that around too and say, okay, you know, I'm looking at my analytics or I ran a survey and I find out there's a bottleneck here. Somehow people are not getting through this add to cart button or this download button or whatever it might be. And all I can see is the data. All I know is that I have a large number of people that are getting to that point, And for, for whatever reason, a small number are getting past that point. Okay, so you know what happened. But now you need to put that e-commerce system, that app, that checkout form, whatever, in front of individuals. And again, observe what they do and how they're manipulating how they're navigating up to that point and what decisions they're making when they get there so you can learn the why. Yeah, I mean, that's what I was, you said that, and I'm thinking, I know the question is going to be the why, but how do you figure the why out? So you're saying that's really basic, um, you know, almost a market research level where you're putting a group of people, you know, in front of your your content. Yes. Okay. Yes. Again, that that's that whole process of experiencing their experience of being able to, and again, we do all of this remotely now where we get somebody on a Zoom session or a WebEx session or Skype or whatever, whatever the platform is, and they share their screen and you assign them basic tasks and they get up to this point and you find out you know, what they're doing or what they're not doing. Now, again, some of it can be functional. The app or the website doesn't operate as they expect and they get stuck. Uh, it might be the navigation doesn't make sense. So there might be some usability issue there. Uh, there might be a motivation issue. You know, they might be curious about your product, but when it comes time for them to actually commit to giving up their name or their email or even money, they may just not care. So there's a whole variety of answers to the question of why. And yeah. you don't know those whys until you can actually see real people confront those 
bottlenecks and see what they end up doing. Well, and I, I, you know, I don't believe um, up until just recently we connected um, and I was just thinking of an email I sent out to to my list, um, highly recommending that all the marketers that receive it go through their whole sales funnel process um, because I've been a user on the other end looking to looking to create a partnership or looking to buy somebody's product. And it's typically I'm looking to buy somebody's service mm-hmm. and, and how frustrating it is to not be able to complete the transaction or get pushed into a sales funnel that's totally not appropriate for what I want to do. It's like, no, I don't want an exploratory call. I told you I want a demo. Mm-hmm. I'd like to purchase this. Mm-hmm. Like just listen. So to your point, listen to your user who'd like to give you their credit card, but now you've wasted an hour of my time, which is annoying me so i'm going to go someplace else yes yeah marketing has been spending all sorts of money creating all sorts of wonderful stuff to get me there and then that experience was a letdown and it was more than letdown sometimes it was a disappointment or frustration that i might even share with my audience saying you know what these guys are like what they're doing but just you can't do business with them they're so difficult to get them to take your credit card yeah and again all of what you just described is hidden hidden to them. Everything, that whole frustrating experience that you just went through, they don't see that unless they make an effort to uncover it, to make it in, make it visible. Yeah. You're doing all that on your own. And in, unless you're gonna send them a you know an email or get on their you know customer response form and give them feedback or post something nasty on social media, they're not gonna know that happened. All they know is that that's just one more sale they didn't get. Um, there's another really important dynamic happening right now too, Doug, that I think we all need to be paying attention to. Uh, you know, one of the great uh, benefits, one of, you know, the beauty of digital marketing is that we can collect all this data. And over the last 20 years, we've gathered a tremendous amount of information about our clients and we use that in our marketing programs. We target people. Yeah. We know more about them. We know how to give them offers that are relevant. We know how to follow up with them and support them. You know, we know how to move them through various stages of a funnel. All this is, is essential. And, and we can't do marketing without that anymore. Well, right now, a lot of the world is changing. A lot of, you know, we're at a, what is it, 20, 25% unemployment rate. Yeah. And customers are evolving and adapting. And they're, go- they're going virtual. You know, a lot of companies have simply cut way back on their marketing budget. You know, people are working remotely. They may be using different emails or different communication platforms. So all that marketing data we've collected, how valid is it? Well, that's what I was wondering when you were talking about that. that w- that's what I was thinking. At the risk of sounding like I'm, I'm, I'm working for you guys to drum up business, I was thinking how valid is the data you've had before? Because we didn't just have a, a one-day or two-day crisis or a one-week crisis. We've been you know, under extreme stress for three to four months, and then the stress has been escalated by unrest and violence and and it's affecting the the global population so like you said people are unemployed so i'm thinking well you probably need to go back and um the term that i really dislike these days there's two of them one is pivot Mm -hmm. um because the marketers have ruined that term and the other is the new normal so what is what is the new normal i was talking to my wife about it i said you know i i like some of the new stuff that's happening i'm not going to have to go to the doctor all the time i'm going to be able to do some of the calls through zoom because they figured out how to do it and they probably figured out how to bill the 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 insurance company which was an impediment before Mm -hmm. so there isn't going to be a new normal so if you surveyed me or had watched my user experience before and then today, to your point, um, totally different. Totally different. Yeah. And, if, and if you think about all of those ways 
Yeah, and I agree with you. Pivot is getting very old, and so is new normal, and so is unprecedented. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's just take those out of the dictionary. <laughs> let's get together and uh, on <laughs> org dot whatever it is, and and write a petition. Well, it, it, but well, what is happening though are a, a number of really intriguing innovations. People, you know, you use the example of your doctor. You know, there's a the cafe down the street that we used to go to and enjoy dinner and cup of coffee. Um, they've had to shift. They yeah. are now providing curbside service. And we hear about this all the time. Every community has restaurants that are doing this. You know, there's a construction company that has figured out how to go to entirely video uh, planning and preparation. They'll show you how to take a video of your house and where you want to have, you know, things changed. And they'll come back with simulations of what your new renovated room is going to look like. And so they figured out how to innovate, how to adapt. All of those are new experiences, you know, that doctor sharing with you over Zoom. You know, I had a doctor experience a couple of weeks ago that was just dismal. It was pretty clear that his office hadn't yet figured out the technology. And I mean, we, we eventually gave up and we just talked on the phone because, <laughs> because he could not get his staff to figure out how to make. They were actually using Microsoft Teams, which is yeah. part of the problem. But um, <laughs> oh, there we go. We share a few common views. I can tell. Yes. Um, but um, and finally, we just you know, I just dialed his office number and we talked by you know just plain old you know telephone, which which worked fine. But we we obviously um, he obviously needs some help getting his office to uh, figure out the new technology. But all those are new experiences, and um, and there's so many of them that um, you know we have to pay attention, ask, listen understand experiences a lot better than before. And they were very important before. They're even more important now. Well, talking about kind of where we are now. So if we put a kind of a stake in the ground for today of wherever, you know, whatever business we're in, however it's been affected, um, and we want to look forward, say, okay, we want to cast a vision for what the next six months or a year is going to look like. Um, how would we use, um, you know, this, you know, your services or the companies that you work with, your services to try to determine that with, because I think what's happening now, there's a lot of navel gazing. We're sitting around half a dozen people on a Zoom call trying to figure out what our customers are struggling with, what the problems are, how we're going to serve them so we can keep our doors open, keep our lights on. But we're not having those conversations, at least to, to my knowledge, the group of people I'm talking to, we're not having those conversations with the customers. We're having them with our, you know, our masterminds, our other business groups, um, trying to anticipate um, how to solve the problem. Mm -hmm. So one of the, one of the things that we do, and we do this regularly with all the companies that we've worked with, again, that's in with answer labs, with the, the major brands or with itsusers.com with individual small businesses or professionals is we, we try to understand what are the success factors. And by success factors, I'm then kind of referring back to what I mentioned earlier about, you know, every business outcome is a single decision that somebody has to make within an experience that they're encountering. Uh, the success factor, those success factors have two dimensions. It's what is the customer's or user's or prospect's success factor. And what is your success factor as a business? Right. Yep. And, and when we have those, and and, you, and hopefully those overlap, because if they don't overlap, <laughs> you're probably not very successful as a business. So so you, you have to really be very specific on identifying what those are, first of all. And then you have to sit down and say, okay, based on the state of the world today, 
the type of business or service that I have, the type of customers that I'm trying to reach, and the larger context, what are the vectors of those two groups of success factors? Are they going to be diverging in the future? Or are they going to be converging in the future? And then again, we need to find those very simple ways to begin to track what those success factors are. Because you know, if you're a business and you're having to innovate, if you're having to take what was once face-to-face and go all virtual, then your definition of a success factor may change entirely. Right. You know, or if you're a customer and you now have to figure out how you're going to stay at home and get all these products and services that you once went out and did face to face, then your success factors are changing, too. And so you now need to really boil those down to be very specific and really begin to project where you think they're going and then put in place ways to begin to track them and actually see. Now, some of those might be direct research. Some of those might be those qualitative means of actually interacting directly with those people to understand the why, or some of it might be the quantitative, the, you know, the data, the metrics, the analytics of you really understanding in volume, where are they going? And some of it, you might be able to track through secondary research by going on Google and reading reports. There's so much information out there now that there's a lot we can learn just from what other people are studying, because a lot of, a lot of companies are paying attention to this and you could actually learn a great deal from what other companies are doing, the research that they're gathering, how they're analyzing all of this. Now, don't rely on that because you need to relate that back to your own business, your own customers. But that's a, that right now is an excellent source of information. Well, I think of a speaker that I heard um, a couple of years ago. What was his name? Um, Rasmussen Ankerson. And he's kind of a rugged sports soccer looking guy, but he, he has a book he's published called Hunger in Paradise. And one of the examples he gave me, I think, comes to mind um, with our conver- this conversation in that he compared um, uh, Ericsson um, to Apple mm-hmm. with the iPhone. Mm-hmm. And he basically went through, you know, um, Ericsson's thing was, hey, you know, or was it maybe it was, no, pardon me, it was Nokia. Hey, look, you know, we have a better phone. The battery lasts longer. You can drop it off a building. It won't break. Um, no one's going to buy the iPhone. It's too expensive. It breaks. The battery sucks. And so there was an example of not understanding what the customer success factor was, because clearly people were willing to spend two to three times as much and have a have a different user experience. Um, and well, Nokia went away. Yeah, I'm actually glad you mentioned that example because there are a few historical events around experience that occurred that have actually changed the world. Uh, one of them was the invention of the web browser. So back in, so the, the, you know, the internet existed in the late 50s with DARPA and U.S. government. And the web actually existed in the 80s when universities started to figure out how to do hypertext and, and share content. But we didn't know the web existed until Netscape came along. Yeah. Until somebody invented a user experience, the web browser that made it easy and understandable and actually provided some kind of practical use. And of course, the web browser changed the world. And that example that you mentioned of Apple's iPhone also changed the world. So I was a BlackBerry owner. Yeah, I, me too. <laughs> I, I was a Crackberry addict. Yeah, yeah. I thought my crack, I thought my Crackberry was the best invention ever made. Yeah. Until one day, I walked into an Apple store and picked up an iPhone, and then it was over. I mean, there's there was no way that the experience on that BlackBerry was going to come close to what that iPhone did. And now, when Steve Jobs and Apple invented that interface on that iPhone, that touch interface, there are now more smartphones 
on the planet than there are people. And that's what drove that. And that changed the world. So those are just two, there are lots of others, but those are just two examples of a new experience, whether it was a web browser or a touch activated handheld device that uh, changed everything. Well, I think the other example he gave, which was really cool, which was uh, Lego, who was the dominant player in the in the toy business. Mm-hmm. And they had a discussion around who their competition was and their new CEO. He said, it's pretty hard to scold your team when you're number one in the industry and profit, profitable year after year after year. And he went, no, Megablocks is not our competitor. Given the choice, the kid with X number of dollars would rather have an iPhone than have Lego blocks. <laughs> so they decided to build an interactive um, app where you could build something from the physical blocks, take a picture of it and then import it into the game and play it on the phone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, those kind of creative innovations are, are what, what make a difference. And, and Doug, it's all experience. Everything, everything we're talking about is experience. And so do you want to share an experience uh, uh, that uh, was a good user experience for your customer and for yourself, somebody that you helped kind of, you know, make a, that maybe a transformation or a shift or at least change their thinking that uh, resulted in, you know, a different direction or, or uh, you know, a more profitable company? Well, actually, I, I can share a couple of I can share one one personal example. So um, back in the early days of the web, I mentioned I worked for HP and I started a side gig. And the side gig was creating some interactive programs to help young people graduate to real life. It was about life skills and finances and work and career and stuff like that. Um, and we actually invented this really nifty interactive website. This was in, we launched this in 2000. So it's been about 20 years ago. And we targeted parents. We thought parents would buy this because, you know, every kid has to eventually leave home go in the workforce, go to college, whatever they're going to do. Everybody's got to emasculate at one point or another. And therefore, everybody's got parents. So parents is the target. We struggled for a long time and we could not get parents to pay attention to this thing, much less buy it. Gradually, we started hearing from teachers and counselors. And they were the target audience. And until we said, halt, stop, let's go really look at what the, the life of a parent looks like Let's go look at what the life of a middle school or high school teacher looks like. That's when we recognized that we were pointing at this entirely the wrong direction because the parents were not the ones that were going to take responsibility for this. It was those professional educators and counselors. And then, which, which was fine because with parents, we'd sell one at a time. With teachers, we'd sell a hundred at a time. <laughs> That's right. So, yeah. so it was actually a good shift. But until we really stepped back and went and really spent time and really talked to these people, um, you know, this is what it failed. And it, actually that business still exists today. We still sell those programs to teachers and counselors and educators today. So that's, even, that's even, really sweet. Even after 20 years, that's, yeah. but, but we still don't sell them to parents. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you might you might have to ha- had a better chance uh, now with this uh, this pandemic that's come through with the parents having the homeschool. They might have been looking for a, an easier way out of having that interaction. Yeah, that's actually a good point. We're actually starting to experiment with that. There are some websites online that do that kind of, um, of educational programs to homes, homeschools, parents, et cetera. So that's yeah, that's a very good possibility. 
So let's back this up then. So for our listeners that have got a, a business of some sort, they're going to have it some form of online presence. So uh, likely a website, some social media. Um, you know, what's the, what's the first step that you would recommend that they do? So they're listening to this going, okay, that sounds kind of interesting. You know, I really don't understand how to take the first step or I don't know what questions I should ask or I don't know what I should look at first. Again, I would, I would go back to what we talked about uh, 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 a little bit earlier here in the in the conversation about really identify those success factors. Okay. Figure out, you know, what is it your customers must, must accomplish for them to succeed in whatever your whatever experience you're providing and then what must you what what must you have them do in order for you to succeed as a business and then start to understand where those are headed. Are they converging or diverging? And um and how are you going to track those? How are you going to have those direct interactions? with those prospects, those customers to see what they're really up to. And then how are you going to measure that in any kind of volume? And there are actually are lots of tools out there like a phone or, a, you know, or, <laughs> or a free version of Zoom or many of the other free platforms yeah. out there um, where, or if you want to just survey people, you can go use Google Forms. Or if you have a larger business and you're really looking at, you know, really optimizing all of this and for larger businesses, you know, if you can squeeze another five, six, seven percent out of your conversion rate, that can be a huge amount of money. Yeah, and yeah. As a marketing expert, you know that. So, if you want to do that, there's lots of ways to start small with virtually no budget. If you're really serious about this and you do want to invest in, in these rapidly changing times, then there's a lot that we can do for you to help you through that process. Now, I'm assuming you probably have access to different data points than uh, than the average um, you know business owner does as well. Yes, there's a lot of impact for like with AnswerLab, for example, we have about 25 or 30 different types of research services that we provide, both qualitative and quantitative, that really look at that holistic view of who these people are, how they live their lives, how they interact with whatever type of device or software or app or whatever it is that you happen to be using. You know, how do we integrate all that into some kind of an action plan that you can then directly apply to your development, your marketing programs, your messaging, whatever you're doing, so you can begin to squeeze out those extra few points or more of conversion or whatever your KPIs happen to be. Well, I'm going to just share a, a few a few pieces of information that I've pulled off of your website, the itstheusers.com, um, just to see, make sure that our listeners are paying attention. So th the first one is that it says 62% of marketers either have seen a decline in Facebook traffic or simply aren't sure if it's growing. So your headline was Facebook traffic declines. Yes. The second one was annual social media user growth worldwide continues to decline. Yes. And then the rate, the, the amount of time spent on social media continues to decline. So it's interesting while everybody's pointing to, uh, to social and saying, Hey, newspapers are dead. TV's dead. Radio's dead. Um, all, you know, although yes, those numbers have declined as well. The platforms that everybody's talking about today, um, the information on your site showing all three of these areas are going down, not up. Well, you know, and, and I would suspect that there's actually a very different dynamic. That data is probably, I probably put that up there maybe a year ago. So that some of those trends probably continue, but what's actually happening right now, in fact, there's lots of data out there to prove this in the last few months, social media usage has actually turned the corner and has now started to go up again, in some cases dramatically, but businesses investment in placing ads or doing any type of paid placement with social media 
has actually gone down. So those two lines have diverged noticeably. I'm sure you're seeing some of this data as well. Yeah, and I, I think it's I think it's hilarious because I mean you mentioned something before. Um, in case our listeners missed it, the phone. You know what I I know in talking to one of my clients is when they phone their prospects, their prospects say hello because they're at home. Mm-hmm. So there's never been an easier time to reach somebody by phone. And there's never been um, the, the, their basic feedback to me was people are happy to take the phone call and have the conversation, even though it's a business related conversation. Yes. So there's a there's an there's an easy win. Yeah, and I agree. I see the numbers going up. What I don't understand is I don't understand why um, why advertisers are spending less at this time because people are to your point they're spending more time online than they've ever spent. Um, so you've got a bigger audience than ever before. The prices for advertising are have gone down, um, and people are withdrawing their advertising. So to me, that those things don't add up. Well, there's, I think there's a couple of dynamics there. It's hard to quantify because it's moving so quickly. But I think the reason that the advertising is going down, one, is because people are kind of circling the wagons. So individual purchasers, both businesses and individuals, are spending less money. Right. So, so there's just the, the people, you know, it's tough economic times. People are just uncertain and they're just not spending. And that obviously is a major driver of the economy. And then, therefore, businesses are also spending less as well. Depending on your business, you know, there's a, there are a few segments that are booming because of all the dynamics of this economy and everything going virtual. But there's a lot of segments that are not. And so those people are just sort of, they're sort of circling the wagons as well and just saying, you know, paying salaries and keeping the lights on are more critical right now than what we were spending on marketing a few months ago. Right. Yeah. Which I don't agree with, but that's fine. <laughs> like I agree, keeping the lights the lights are on. But if you're not, you don't have any sales. You can pay all the light bills you want. Um, yes, right. At, at I, some point, your your line of credit is going to run out, and you're going to have to shut the lights off. Yes. Well, and and yeah, and this is another whole podcast. But the number of opportunities that are starting to emerge here. You know, anytime you go through a crisis like this, there's always opportunity. And um, but the creative people are figuring out how to innovate. They're figuring out. How, I won't use that p word, but um, they're. <laughs> They're figuring out how to, um, you know, how to ask customers where are they going. Well, maybe that's the word we should come up with. We should come up with the word, and it's not the pivot word. It's that the, the, the businesses are starting to listen to their customers and then and then address their customer success factors. And, and you know, the other thing you're, we're finding, and this probably comes as no surprise, is that during times like these, people like to be asked. People like to to be, be able to tell their story and be able to feel like somebody is actually caring and listening. So again, yes, when you call them, they are at home, they will answer the phone, but they're also, they're, they're in a more open mindset. They're more willing to work with, to work together to try and find solutions. So that's a huge opportunity as well. I think so. I mean, we buy from people that we know, like, and trust. And so even if that call, um, you know, if you're looking at metrics, it doesn't, doesn't ring the sales bell, but it deepens the relationship. So when they do come into the marketplace, they think of you first. Um, that's a win. Yes, it is. Absolutely. So I'm going to, one of the questions I, I, I didn't share with you and I apologize um, is I, I kind of stole it from Tim Ferriss. I like it. And that is what's the bad advice that you hear about um, the kind of work that you do, like everybody, you know, there's, there's people out there that are just misinformed um, and they're giving bad advice. And I just don't, I don't like to see anybody get the wrong advice. So is there bad advice around, um, you know, looking at user um, experience and, and, and doing the type of research that you do? 
Yeah, I, I, I think it, it relates back to some of the things I've shared. I think there's still sort of this, this perception that user experience is this sort of narrow, technical, geeky usability thing that we do, you know, where we put people in a lab and we make them go through these different like experiments. And, um, and you can find out some pretty narrow things about, you know, can they, can they do some, some pretty technical tasks? And we don't look at it like that at all. Again, we look at the holistic individual, the holistic business about motivators, about emotions, um, about what's happening in people's worlds and, and how that drives the decisions that they make and how those decisions affect your business. So I think there's, there's still some of that perception out there. I think gradually it's been going away. And people can see this bigger picture, but I think there's still some lingering um, misperception about how ubiquitous this is and how much power it has and what impact it can have. Yeah, I agree with the impact on your business. Like you said, the the bigger companies are fully aware of this. Um, They're scaled up, they're budgeted up, and they're looking at it. And for the small business that's trying to compete, while the internet is a a pretty nice leveling ground for someone to start a new side hustle, um, that doesn't come without risks. And you should do the research to to make sure you're going in the right direction. To your own example, parents aren't going to buy this. Teachers are going to buy it. Well, that was a huge win for you guys once you figured it out and, and went that direction. Yeah. And and I guess related to that same misperception, too, is that you don't have to spend millions of dollars like a Facebook or an Amazon does. Again, this this is as scalable as you want it to be. And don't think that you have to have a huge budget, especially these days, in order to be really successful at this. You can do it with almost no money at all. So is this something that somebody would work with you and engage you in? You would have a maybe a start time and there'd be some work to do and then there'd be almost like a. I don't want to use the, 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 the C word, the coaching word. Um, but I mean, it's ongoing. I don't think this is something that you just do once, set it and forget it. Yeah. In fact, with it's the users.com, what we do is we will have you bring some uh, uh, experience that you're working on or that you already have out there. Is it a website? Is it an app? Is it software? Is it some marketing program? Is it your social media? Whatever it is. And then we will actually walk you through the entire process step by step. Of a lot of what we've just been talking about. So you have the, the the benefit of optimizing whatever that, if it's an e-commerce system, you have the benefit of opting that e-commerce system, system, squeezing a few more points of conversion out of it. But you also learn the process. And then you can take those, that process, those tools, everything we provide you, and turn them around and apply it to the next website or the next app or the next marketing program. So um, yeah, it's very hands-on. Um, and it's it's really a lot more than than learning. It's doing so you end up with a result at the end where you're going to see more business results and you're going to know how to replicate it over and over again. Yeah, and that sounds so cool. I mean, that's the the point of execution. At the end of the day, instead of just having a bunch of new knowledge, you've got an improved process or or improved whatever it is, user experience, uh, more customers, more revenue, whatever you're you're measuring, um, which is way better than just another degree to hang on the wall. Yeah, there's so much content out there. There's so much learning and such a tiny percentage of it is is ever actually used and applied to solving real problems. And that's really <laughs> what, what we're trying to get beyond here. Yeah, no, boy, I'm with you there. Well, I want to say thanks um, and ask you a couple of questions and let you go um, on with your day. And one is, who's one guest that you think I should have on my podcast? You know, our the CEO of Answer Lab, Amy Buckner Trout, is a is a really dynamic individual. She does a lot of podcasting. She's very active in the business community. She's also very active in helping our company lead our company through a lot of these challenges that we're facing in the world today. So, I think she would have some really brilliant insights. 
uh, on these topics we're talking about, but just in general, how to be a successful business, how to lead a team through um, some of the really, uh, really amazing things and very challenging things that are happening in the world today. Well, that's great. I mean, I think, you know, I'd like to have more more conversations like the conversation that you and I are having today, um, because there's enough conversations already out there around tactics and and hard analytics. Um, you know, and I don't you know, I don't think the world needs many more of those conversations, but they need to understand how to execute. Yeah, I agree. And that's and And, and if we don't execute now, then we're going to very quickly fall behind. I mean, it's right now it's a matter of survival. So I totally, totally agree with you. Yeah, there's a few industries that I've worked in before that I have grave concerns that there's going to, I don't know what the, I don't know what the answer is going to be, but uh, they're in deep water. Yeah, they are. Yeah, it, there's a lot happening for sure. So Bob, where do you want people to connect with you? So we've got some listeners that said, hey, this is really cool. Um, I'm a small company. I want to connect with you. I'm a medium company or I'm a big brand. Uh, where do you want them to track you down and uh, begin a conversation? So I've created a landing page specifically for your podcast. So if you go to realfast.itstheusers.com, then you can sign up for a very extensive library of resources, materials, tools, uh, and a lot of what we've been talking about. And it starts very simple. It's very beginner all the way into some in-depth, more advanced topics. And you'll get a free consultation from me. So I do this all the time with companies of all sizes to really, again, it's what are you trying to accomplish? Who are your users? What motivates them? What drives their decisions? Let's break that down and really understand where your challenges are and come up with some action plans on how to, how to make progress. And again, if you, if you have a larger budget and you really want to tackle this in a big way, then we'll get you connected with Answer Lab and we can talk about how to make this happen for you and really, uh, tra- really in a lot of cases, transform your business. Well, that's really cool. I think, uh, like you said, there's lots of opportunities now and we're either going to move forward or not move forward. So we can try to ignore what's going on in the world or we can take uh, take grasp of what's in our hands and see uh, how we can make a difference. So I want to say thanks. I really enjoyed the conversation. I learned a ton of stuff today. Um, I don't know if I'm going to be able to think about anything else for the rest of the day, but I appreciate you taking time out of your day and sharing with us. Thanks, Doug. I've enjoyed it as well. And good luck with the podcast and uh, you know, good luck as you go forward with uh, all your goals as well. Thanks so much. So there you go, listeners. There's a different take uh, today on our podcast. I hope you enjoyed this. Um, I could I could talk to Bob probably for days. Uh, love the direction he's going. Um, I'm spending more time looking. Uh, that's what I've done during this this so much slower time in the economy is just in a lot of reflection, looking inside to see how people are engaging with us. So love what he's talking about. Make sure you check out the show notes. We'll uh, th- make sure that the um, links to his website are there. Um, so I want to say thanks for tuning in and we look forward to serving you on our next episode. That's all for this episode of Real Marketing Real Fast. Now it's time to take your marketing to the next level by visiting dougmorneau.com and downloading our advanced marketing white papers as well as exclusive resources based on today's episode. That's dougmorneau.com. Until next time, we look forward to serving you right here on Real Marketing Real Fast.